You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back here on Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns in the NBA at SB Nation, as well as Dime Magazine, and you can follow me on Twitter, at BrendanClean14. Most importantly, though, follow at Locked On PHX Suns. That is our show account, where you can follow along throughout the NBA Finals. Preview time is here. Part one is today. Part two is tomorrow before... Game one of the finals on Tuesday night, so keep it right here. Subscribe wherever you are listening. Of course, it is Monday, which means that I am joined by Brandon. He is at, got to get this right, Zona Hoops underscore on Twitter now. I have my whole spiel ready. I got to get that updated. Brandon, the finals are here. The Suns are in it. The Bucks are their opponent. How are you feeling? Good to be back on. Um, still hasn't really settled in that they're, they're in the NBA finals, I think. Maybe on Tuesday, when I actually like see the logo and everything, like it'll finally sink in. But, but yeah, it's still just <clears throat> kind of surreal that they're they're in this, and uh, can't wait for the series. I think the the Bucks poise a lot of uh, different matchup um, issues and and scheme issues that I think could pop up and make it a really interesting series and super competitive, especially if Giannis is healthy. Um, these are two teams that I think line up really well against one another. I think if you look at just the, all the matchups, I'm sure uh, you're going to dive into in, in future episodes and, and all that, but it uh, should be a really fun series. It's uh, it's bound to be a really exciting series. We're going to preview, as I said, one portion of what to watch for on today's show. That is Chris Paul and Devin Booker predominantly. What do they need to do? Why does Chris Paul need to stay aggressive on offense? What is Devin Booker going to need to do defensively? We'll get into all sorts of angles of both of those players. And I think switching is going to be important. Um, and, and what do the Bucks kind of do? And how do the, the two star backcourt players on the Suns take advantage of that? So that is what you can watch for here. But let's quickly first hear from the sponsor of today's show, which is... Spotify Greenroom, join Brandon and I every single Friday afternoon on the Spotify Greenroom app to get in on the action. Okay, so just to, to, to give the, the lowdown, obviously the Bucks come into the playoffs having beaten the Nets and the Hawks in consecutive rounds. They also slayed the Heat, their first round opponent. They swept them after losing to them last year in the bubble. They are down Giannis Antetokounmpo currently. Dante DiVincenzo is not in the playoff mix. He suffered an injury and had to have surgery and is not going to play. So that is a little bit of what's different. Giannis, according to Chris Haynes, could have played a game seven against the Hawks where there have to been one, um, where there to have been one. And he seemingly could play a game one because that is basically the same day. It gives him even an extra day from when a game seven would have been. So that's the 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 lowdown of where the Bucks are this series between these two teams this season was decided by a grand total of two points. <laughs> uh, they played in February, which was a game that I think really kickstarted the Suns' season uh, back around when fans started to come into the building, and both Booker and Paul scored about thirty points in that game. And then you had a April game where uh, just chaos ensued, and it was one twenty eight. 
127 in overtime. So about as tight as any possible duo of basketball games could be. But we're going to start with Chris Paul, um, Brandon, because I think him, as I went back and watched that April game and a little bit of the February game, and I'm going to watch more of that one before I talk to Jackson Frank for part two of this preview. But what really stood out to me, and it's it's not a surprise to anybody who knows how these Bucks play. They've been playing this way for a while. But Brooke Lopez in that drop defensive scheme, I think is, you would imagine, pray for Chris Paul in some ways. But I think that underestimates Brooke Lopez. I think he's the best drop defender that the Suns have faced if you think about Jokic and, and Marcus Gasol and even Andre Drummond, uh, Ivica Zubots. I think Lopez is the best of all of them. So it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough matchup. But we saw Chris Paul at points in this playoffs when he needs to get aggressive, he can do that. I think this series, you know, he might need to do that most of, if not all of, every single game. Yeah, Chris should be licking his chops right now. Um, the Bucks defense is incredible. First off, like they're them and the Suns have the two highest defensive ratings uh, in the playoffs right now. They're one and two, so uh, that's for a good reason. They have size; they can they can move and switch. Um, Lopez is has mastered dropping, so I think Chris though poises a different problem for them. Like it's it's not like every team they play they have to worry about that mid range, and with the Suns you have two guys that can just burn you in that regard. So I think. That's one reason I actually do like this matchup for Phoenix. I think uh, the way they can attack Brooke and then some of those guys off the bench that they bring in, like Bryn Forbes or or Connaughton, just on switches, I think there's a lot of mismatches that uh, both Chris and Devin can really take advantage of. And, yeah, I think this series is built for Paul to have a one of those statement series once again. And it's the NBA Finals, so it's a little different than the Denver series where it's kind of – uh, seemed like a walk in the park for Chris, but um, yeah, I think just from top to bottom, just the way this Bucks team is built, like Drew Holiday is probably going to be guarding him, I would imagine, um, especially if they go big with you know PJ and and Chris is their their other two uh, guard slash wings. So yeah, I think Chris just needs to try to take advantage of the drop coverage and also balance that by getting DeAndre involved um, because if Brooke has to worry about you know, stopping Chris from getting to his spot and DeAndre rolling, it just becomes a nightmare for the Bucks. So um, this is one reason I'm, I'm probably a little bit higher on mo- than most for the Suns in this matchup. I think there, there are so many ways they can take away the Bucks' strengths defensively. And um, like you mentioned, these teams have had some pretty tremendous battles in the past, like even before Phoenix was good. So yeah, this could be a really awesome series, I think, and just – Uh, it's going to come down to coaching, which is another reason I feel pretty comfortable with like Monty versus Bud looking forward to that as well. So yeah, just to go back to your point, the, the, the pop coaching tree, uh, the pop coaching tree is uh, alive and well. I think that's a cool subplot for this. I think with, with staying on Paul though, 22 and 13 and seven in the April matchup. And then back in February, 28 and seven and three for him. So he has been aggressive in these matchups. Just a couple other things that I think um, specific to Chris that are going to be pretty important. Um, we saw, if, if if people remember some of these games in the past, one thing that the Suns were able to really do that, that Chris was able to really do was um, he 
actually most so most teams are afraid of Giannis right I mean he's a defensive player of the year not that the Suns weren't but his aggressive help off of the corners he was defending Jay Crowder a lot he was defending you know Mikhail Bridges players like that Cam Johnson off in the corner and they like to do that so that he can be sort of a free safety come in weak side help he can play passing lanes he can just sort of like like kind of how the Lakers use LeBron but Giannis is you know a better athlete younger all that Chris Wood actually aggressively look for those guys in the corners over and over so you know they'd run a pick and roll whatever type of early action that the Suns like to do having guys come off screens Spain whatever types of things that there were but the minute that Giannis would would kind of get too close to the paint and and help too far off Chris was going to throw that pass to Crowder throw that pass to Cam and that's pretty interesting to me just looking back something I didn't remember because it's counter to what most teams would would try to do to Giannis, but I think it's it's making him hesitate to help, and it's obviously trusting the the Sun shooters, which is going to be a major part of this series. Is you know the Bucks have kind of scooted by to be completely honest without without Divincenzo and with some unreliable shooters on their in their rotation during the playoffs, and they've had some really ugly nights. But if the Suns can can actually keep that part of their offense going and make Giannis second-guess the help. I think that's really important. Um, another couple of things, like, they're going to have to be aggressive. Again, I, I, Chris is going to have to be aggressive, just like he has a lot during this postseason, of not only running offense for himself that's going to be attacking a weaker player, like a Bryn Forbes, for instance, like a Bobby Portis, but also um, orchestrating sets on the fly or screens stuff on the fly for those players. Think about what we saw against Michael Porter Jr. Because the reality is the Bucks don't have a lot of weak links, so you have to attack the ones that they do have. And unlike the Clippers, there actually are some. Like the Clippers didn't really have a place to do that, and so the Suns kind of got bogged down. I think in this series, Portis and Forbes, maybe even Pat Connaughton are guys that I could see, I could really see the Suns doing that with. And then the last thing I think we can talk about here before we move on to Devin Booker is just the pace. I think the Suns are going to need to, um, I don't think that it necessarily is that they need to run, but I think that the Bucks' nature of how they play is that inevitably you're going to have fast-paced games. I mean, it's just kind of what Milwaukee does. The pace in the first, um, the pace in the first game was. 96.1 possessions um the pace in the in the second game was 101 and that that one was the one I had just watched and it really stood out the Suns moving the ball up the floor way faster than they had in the past and I think a lot of that's going to be Chris of um making that those reads the guys leaking out in transition I think that the Suns can play that way, but as we saw against the Clippers, it's not always comfortable for them. So I think we could see, you know, maybe early in game one, the Bucks just really, really thriving in transition and the Suns having to adjust a little bit. Definitely. And I think uh, the key to that is just controlled chaos. Like you need, you need to take advantage of their misses and push the ball because you don't want Milwaukee's defense to, to set, which is kind of similar to the Clippers. Like, but the Bucks even more so because they like to shrink the court, um, you know, really make you beat them in the half court, which, you know, if the Suns run their sets, I, th- I don't really have uh, too many concerns there. But you need to take advantage of transition when you get it and then at the same time take it away from them. And these are actually two of the best defensive uh, transition teams in the in the postseason right now. So I think 
if they they're both taking away each other's strengths, it's going to be could be pretty low scoring games, honestly. And we saw that in the Clippers game when you know the score was in the eighties, like the low eighties. So uh, yeah, I think just yeah, very a very half court matchup is is bound to <laughs> bound to result in that. I mean, it's 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 going to be fascinating. I think the one thing that to, to bear in mind for Suns fans that are thinking about the the, the pace and, and who that favors and watching game one and thinking about, you know, which team is is thriving in that chaos, like you said, Brandon, is a fascinating part, a sub a subplot of that is the Bucks tend to in transition. I mean, their their default plan there is that Giannis is gonna get a dunk, right? That's like kind of plan A. But plan A for the Suns in transition a lot of the time tends to be a three. So you know, if if it is if we do find a game where even for you know a few minutes at a time or a half of a game that it is pretty fast paced, I wonder if even though that's you would think would favor the Bucks, I honestly wonder if you know if the Bucks are trading twos for threes in transition, I, I wonder if that math starts to not benefit them quite as much. I mean, obviously an open dunk for Giannis is still a higher percentage shot than a you know somewhat open three for a Jay Crowder type, but I think the Suns are so good at creating those threes in transition, thanks to Chris Paul and his his aggressiveness when he is being aggressive. That that's going to be interesting too. Is like, does that math actually work out to where it's a strength for the Bucks? Because normally it always is, but in in this case, the Suns, like you said, they're good at that too. And and Chris Paul is one of the best at that when he wants to be. So I think that 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 dynamic is going to be interesting. Let's switch over to Devin Booker really quickly, though, folks, and talk about. Um, obviously some of the matchup stuff for him, who guarded him in the past and what his role will be in this series. And honestly, why his defense might be more important than I think people realize. First though, quick word from Bilt Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the world, my favorite protein bar. And I have an announcement, an exciting announcement for all of you. I've been rubbing the fact that I got to try out the grasshopper cookie Bilt Bar in all of your faces for weeks now, but the reality is that you can have it starting July 6th, starting on Tuesday. Reward yourself. Trip to the NBA Finals and a Grasshopper Cookie Bill Bar. Who who would have thought? Here we are. It is basically a Thin Mint cookie in the form of a protein bar. All the flavor without all that sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of sugar. Try it, guys. It's honestly my favorite one that they have ever come out with, and I do not put that lightly. You know that I love the double chocolate. You know that I love the cookies and cream. Tons of delicious flavors that Bilt Bar has un- unleashed on us over the years, but Grasshopper Cookie takes the cake as the best of all. So order today and get the Grasshopper Cookie or Raspberry or double chocolate, whatever you like, and use the promo code Locked on at checkout to get 15% off your next order. Not first order, next order. Promo code locked on for 15% off at built.com. Okay, we're back here. Let's got let's dive into Devin Booker, Brandon. Um, I think what jumped out to me watching the games from the past, as I said in the last segment, is um I was actually surprised. We talked on on Green Room the other day, and I was saying you know, Drew Holiday might have to defend Paul a little bit more because DiVincenzo's out. I went back and watched. That's actually how the Bucks handled things from the jump in the in the past, is that Holiday took Paul and Middleton took Booker. So how do you feel about the Middleton-Booker matchup just off the top, and then we can dig into more of the specifics of, of how Booker's role might look in this series? So this is similar to, like, the whole Paul George 
guarding Booker thing, I think, especially if Giannis is out, that plays in the Suns' favor. Is if Chris is, you know, taking on a huge offensive workload and chasing Booker around all game, like that's that's going to be tough. So I, I do think Drew's going to be on Chris. And uh, I could also see it's PJ guarding Booker as well, just when they want to give Middleton some rest and just throw him on Crowder in the corner, something like that. Um, because, you know, PJ has been taking on the toughest defensive assignments, like pretty much all postseason. So that's one way they can try to offset that. But yeah, I think missing uh, DiVincenzo is kind of an underrated storyline for the Bucks. Like he's, he's good and uh, just gives you another body to throw, you know, at Booker. So um, it's probably mo- mostly, I think the DiVincenzo thing is like you're saying, I mean, PJ, I, I think we'll talk about more in the next segment because I want to talk about switching and how the Sun should handle when the Bucks do switch. If if we will see the Bucks switch, I kind of think this is a matchup where the Bucks are going to be able to play their default drop scheme and, and Brooke could actually stay on the floor quite a bit. I don't know how you feel. We can get into that. I think that's where PJ might come into play, but it's 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 that part where it's like, well, what if Middleton's not on the floor or if you really just need his offense, you don't want to bog him down all night? then what? Because I don't think Pat Connaughton is really a very good option. Obviously, you just look at who's playing for them right now. There's really no one else. So, you know, it. I think it's probably going to be Middleton and Holiday most of the time. Maybe DiVincenzo would have been an option there. But honestly, like in the regular season, if they weren't throwing DiVincenzo on him, I don't really feel like they were going to do it in the playoffs. So it might be a situation where you know, it's the finals and middle, you got to just do both at a certain point and Middleton's going to have to deal with that. I think to me though, like thinking a little bit about what the Middleton matchup looks like for Booker uh, when Middleton is guarding him um, is like the comp that, that I'm kind of thinking about is those moments where Nick Batum ended up on him in, especially in that game one 40 point triple double in the conference finals, because those guys that are bigger and taller and not not quite as shifty, um, Booker just is able to not always get past them, but with with how much of a change of speed and, and change of direction guy that Booker can be when he's working that mid-range and everything else, like it just doesn't seem like those guys really affect his rhythm. Like, yeah, they're going to get a hand in his face and they're probably going to be pretty strong, move him off of his spots here and there. But Middleton, to me, it's like just watching that game, Booker scored 24 on 9 of 24 shooting. Not great. He did hit that game winner on on Middleton, if you'll remember, back in February. And then he was 11 of 21 for 30 points in the other game. It just, I didn't feel ever watching those two that like Booker was uncomfortable and you just have to make him that. That's why Patrick Beverly works so well. Exactly. And that, that goes back to my point I was making earlier is like, I think in order to stop Booker, you need someone whose primary job is to stop Booker. Like you need them to annoy him throughout the game and make him uncomfortable. And um, while Chris is a really good defender individually and like, you know, he does a good job on wings and can hold his own. He's not the, like you mentioned, just the, the prototype that bothers Booker. So I think that plays in the Suns' favor for sure. Um, yeah, like someone like Pat Bev or even like Caruso when he was giving Booker problems, like those guys are in the game to annoy Booker. And Middleton, I don't think he's going to be able to expend that type of energy, um, especially, you know, Giannis misses a game or two and 
Chris is like the, the primary creator for that team. It just puts so much pressure on him. So yeah, I'm honestly not too worried about Booker getting his, which sounds weird to say against such a good defensive team. But yeah, I think this is one of those matchups where he can really, I think him and Chris both can, can have a coming out party and uh, really solidify themselves as, you know, top 15 players in this league. The one thing I did want to hit on, as I said, if, if we're thinking about how this is just going to be probably a more, um, I don't know, exhausting or heavy, heavy responsibility type of series for Booker, not to say that he hasn't been doing plenty of that before, but in the past, there were situations where unless it was on a switch or, you know, if, if the team was actively hunting him out, like we saw the Clippers do that Booker was able to be, you know, quote unquote, hidden defensively. I don't think this Bucks team in, in their best lineups gives Booker a place to do that. So just watching back, there were a lot of moments where, um, he's on Middleton, he's on, uh, holiday. He's having to actually really defend a, a, a player that can beat you on defense when the Suns are, are defending. And, and we know the Suns are going to switch a lot, even with, uh, you know, their base starting lineup and, and that, that type of unit, because they, they feel comfortable with Aiton defending Giannis. There were actually a lot of, um, moments late where we saw what I thought we would see against the Lakers, which was, and we did see it against the Lakers a little bit of Crowder defending Brooke Lopez, even when like we think of, okay, Aiton's going to have to defend Giannis when the Bucks go small, but that wasn't even the case when the Bucks went big with Lopez and Giannis, both on the floor, we saw Aiton have to defend Giannis at times. And so Booker, I think it's, it's unavoidable that he's going to end up having to defend one of these Bucks wings. And I guess just, it's a good time to look a little bit back on how Booker has grown as a defensive player. How do you feel about the idea of Booker having to, you know, Middleton, who's a tough shot maker, Holiday, who can kind of power through you in that pick and roll, finish at the rim, get to his pull-up three when he's feeling it. Do you worry at all about about Booker having to do that? Not really. Um, I think it would be smart to start him on P.J. Tucker. Obviously, they're going to be switching stuff and, and targeting him to get those matchups that you mentioned with Middleton and, and Holiday, but um, I think he's shown that he, he really takes pride in defense. Um, you know, this playoff run's been, you know, he still has his occasional like hiccup off ball or missing a rotation, but when it comes to on ball stuff, I'm, I'm really not too worried. Um, you know, Middleton's going to shoot over the top of pretty much any defender anyways. So as long as you could just, you know, play hard, make him uncomfortable and, uh, continue that switch heavy defense that, and just apply pressure. Like I, I'm not too concerned. Um, you know, Chris guarding drew primarily is probably, um, a matchup that, you know, with the size difference and the strength, I think that could, uh, give holiday a little bit of an advantage, but, but yeah, I think I'm not too concerned. The sun's defense is probably when it comes to like matchups, like straight up matchups, probably the best team you could build designed to like stop this Bucks team just because of like how many bodies they have to throw and you know, Deandre's mobility, just all that kind of stuff. So overall, not too worried. Um, but yeah, that especially if Giannis is out, it really kind of changes the whole ball game. So it's tough to talk. Yeah. The matchups, knowing. the matchups get a lot, a lot yeah. dif- more difficult, more different because if you think about if Giannis is out, which I'm going to talk to Jackson a little bit more about tomorrow, because hopefully we will have a little more on, on Giannis's status 
But like if if Middleton and Giannis are or if Middleton's playing and Giannis is not playing, then you can have Bridges on Holiday and then you can have Crowder on on Middleton potentially. And then it it does take some of the defensive pressure off of Paul or Booker. One one more point on that, though, is another reason I just I think the Suns are the biggest the biggest test for keeping Bryn Forbes on the floor that the that the Nets have or I'm sorry that the Bucks have faced. I would say the Nets were one, but the Nets didn't have the the defensive ability where I think that the the Bucks are going to want to have to make Booker and Paul defend people, whereas um, you know Forbes is just has been able to in other series to have somewhere to hide on on off on defense and then offensively like be involved enough. I just think this series is going to be tough. The minute that Forbes went onto the floor in these games, Paul was was hiding on him defensively. They were not getting Forbes involved in the offensive enough to really make Paul Paul worry. I mean, it's 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 somewhat of it some of it is the nature of the Bucks just being so depleted right now in in some ways with Giannis being questionable and and DiVincenzo out, but um I do think that some of the things they've gotten away with in the past are not going to be there. To sum up the Booker thing, though, it's similar to what we were saying about Middleton. Like, this is the type of series when, with so much perimeter talent, so much wing talent on both sides of the floor, that both guys on both stars on both sides of, of this series are going to have to do a lot on both ends. And I think it, I think overall, we'll probably look back on it and say it was the toughest defensive challenge of the playoffs for Booker and we'll just have to see what that means and and I think he's up for it as well I think he's shown that and he has the you know energy and, and whatnot all that stuff I, I don't necessarily worry it's just something to watch but let's close out the show with a little bit more on the switching that we might see whether the Bucks can survive in that that default scheme or whether they will go small if, if they do get Giannis back and play more of that Portis and PJ Tucker heavy ball like we've seen them do in the past first though a quick word from betonline.ag betonline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action baseball season is in full swing you can track all of the action at betonline i would uh, i would say the the cat is out of the bag on shohei otani being the al mvp favorite so maybe you're a little too late there but check all of it out we've got stuff coming down the stretch run in baseball as well as the nba and nhl finishing up their seasons so before the next pitch head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device to check out the latest news sign up bonuses and contest info straight from bet online and when you're there make an account if you do not have one already put your first money down and use the promo code locked on when you do to get a 50 percent welcome bonus straight to your account again that's promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the Bucks' defense and how the Suns can handle it depending on the looks that they get. So we talked about Brooke Lopez dropping. I do think like a lot of a lot of analysis, a lot of good stuff was written about how Brooke just being a step or two closer to Trey Young in these conference finals made a really big difference. Trey scored 48 in game one, didn't really have the series even before the injury that lived up to that game one. And that was a lot because Brooke was was mobile enough and, and smart enough to kind of read that and and squelch it out a little bit. I think that's honestly that felt like what we saw them do against Chris Paul, maybe because he's earned that that respect on the scouting report a little bit more than Trey had. Um, so that's one side. 
The other side is obviously this this quest that the Bucks have been on, Brandon, to be a little bit more flexible. It's been probably the number one storyline that this team has had hanging over them since last season. And they got P.J. Tucker, who we've already talked about a little bit. They also added Bobby Portis, who is no like elite defender, but at least has that that athleticism and mobility to be a different option there. And then, of course, Giannis being uh, a sort of menace all up and down the floor. So I want to talk about the Bucks defense and, and what, how the Suns can handle it and why I think either way, I think we're, we're probably looking at the Suns being able to handle it. First, though, guys, our NBA Finals coverage, how crazy is that to say, is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Today on Road to the Finals, we're talking about Game 1, and it's only worth it if you enjoy it. So at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Okay, Brandon, I'll give you the floor. What do you make of if we will see the Bucks stay in that drop, if Lopez will, will play a lot of minutes in this series? He's been so good for them. Or do you think that there's a way for the Suns to punish that enough where we do start to see more of the flexibility, assuming Giannis plays most of the series? Yeah, and that's a major key. That's why a lot of this stuff probably goes out the window if um, if he misses time. But I think Lopez... He'll probably play at least some of this series. I mean, if, yeah. if he was gearing up to play a game seven, I have a hard time imagining he just like doesn't play at all. For sure. And I think part of that was like out of desperation, like... Game seven, like I could easily see him sitting out the two games in Phoenix and then coming back to Milwaukee, but I'm just speculating. You know, he could be he could be a full go for game one for all we know. So, um, still a lot up in the air. But to get to the point of the Bucks defense, I think you got to treat Brooke Lopez like food, and you got to target him. I know he's a good defender, but if he's dropping, and I, he did a good job against Trey, the adjustments the Bucks made are actually. I think Bud should get a little more credit. I know everyone likes to to pile on the the jokes, but uh, yeah, I think uh, Milwaukee in general, just the way they play defense with their size and length, it's just really disruptive. And it's a different style than the Clippers, but there are some similarities, I think. And if you can play them off the floor, kind of like they did to Zubak at times, like and force them to go small, like the Bucks are equipped to go small. But that plays in the Suns' favor at the same time, so it's kind of a, a pick your poison. And if, if I think the obvious part of it, well, I would actually say if we're comparing it to past team, past matchups in these playoffs, that the the most prominent one is probably the Lakers. I think that's what it's going to feel the most similar to, at least yeah. when Brook is the, on the, the floor. Big rotation, right? Yeah, the bigs. You know, Brook being in there, and then. You know, obviously, when when Lopez is off the floor, things do look a little bit different, and that's probably you know the comp would be like you know AD at the five or something, or or the Clippers, like you were saying. But when when Brooks in there, it's going to look a lot like the clip like the Lakers, where you know they're going to have one or two pretty good man defenders out there trying to stop Paul and Booker or Payne and, and Booker, and then have a guy in drop and then wing depth and wing length swarming to make it hard to get shots off, right? And that's going to be the, the 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 MO of the Bucks as well. I think a few things, like you were saying in the last segment, Brandon, I think the way to, to punish some of that is, like, I'm going to probably write about a little bit of this at Bright Side of the Sun, so hopefully I can link that and retweet it out on the Locked on Suns, at Locked on PHX Suns account, but the Suns ran, like, two or three Spain pick and rolls in the, the April matchup, and each of them resulted in a made three. 
Um, I just think that you can really make them pay for not only Brooke being not super mobile and, and all of that, but also the Bucks kind of relying on some of their their basic principles and being hesitant to, to budge from that. Because the, the way you, you defend a Spain pick and roll is that ideally the guy that is defending the, the, the shooter who's popping out to the top and the guy defending the ball handler communicate and switch. But the Bucks don't really want to switch most of the time unless they kind of are intentionally putting a lineup out there that that's going to do that. So you like you said, just running some of the core stuff that we've seen work for the Suns can beat this Bucks defense because it can beat any defense. That's why it, that's why the Suns are in the finals, right? Um but I think if if we do switch over a little bit to to when they do switch because I agree, like Chris Paul being aggressive and the Suns running their offense and the shooters making shots, that's a recipe to beat the Bucks defense enough to win games, I think. But if we do think, okay, maybe then we will probably see at some point that the Bucks would would want to try to switch. Uh, maybe when when Aiton's not in the game, maybe when Aiton is in the game with, you know, lineups that they're not as afraid of from a you know perimeter creation standpoint. Maybe when campaign is in the game, or I don't know, whatever other options we might see there. Um, the thing that that stood out to me is. Giannis on the perimeter if if Paul or Booker get Giannis out on them in isolation they need to call a screen immediately make that guy try to fight through a screen and just they will have perimeter jumpers all day whether that's threes or mid-range jumpers because that guy as much as he's incredible on defense there's a reason the Bucks are hesitant to switch as much as we would like them to be it's because Giannis can't defend out there because he's 6'11 and he's an alien but guys like that can't be you know jumping around screens like they're Drew Holiday right there's a there's a reason that those guys have historically been around the basket in the NBA it's because it's hard as hell to go defend a Chris Paul if you're the size of Giannis so they need to be watching for those things I think PJ is even an example of that too put PJ through a screen like the Suns need to be, I think, again, similar to what we saw against the Clippers. Don't just settle for like, okay, I have a guy that I think I can score on and I'm going to just kind of go at him. Keep cycling through screens and off-ball screens and ball movement and cuts because you can't... The Bucks are, are good on defense. They're not that good. Yeah, and make no mistake, like when the Suns have been at their best, it's just running their core stuff, sticking to like what got them here. And every time they've struggled, it's just been iso ball and, you know, bunch of ball stopping so as long as they run their sets and move the ball it's just it turns into that that same battle of for the bucks from their point of view it's like who are we going to let beat us and because you have to concede like either you you're going to have deandre and feast inside you're going to give chris paul's mid-range or the wings are going to get wide open shots so it's just kind of there's so many ways they can beat you and dissect a defense that you have to be you know pretty much is like attached on on a string to stop this team off on offense. And um, especially how hobbled Giannis might be, that's another factor that we have to kind of talk about, I think, because when it comes to switching, if if the Suns are targeting him and he's not 100%, that's just going to create some opportunities that might have not been there in the first place as well. So, um, yeah, I think Milwaukee deserves a lot of credit for getting here. Um, you know, they've, they've battled some, they've been in some tough series and they pulled it out. So uh, by no means are we looking over them from that point of view, but uh, you know, when Jeff Teague and Pat Connaughton and Bryn Forbes of the world are in, I think campaign is going to feast. That's, that's like kind of a little bit off topic, but just sticking to the guards, that's another 
guy I really like in this series. I think he could have one of those classic campaign series. So, uh, no, it's it, it's it's not super off topic because you know we're talking about what you need to do if the if the Bucks do start to switch. We've talked about what they can do when the Bucks run their normal defense and mm-hmm. how Chris Paul and Devin Booker can attack that. But I think you know if we're talking about switching and and other options, I think Payne has been a really big antidote to some of that in every single series that that they've seen it. So yeah, especially Payne if he has being his able burst, to like. You know, it seemed yeah. like it's starting to come back a little bit after that he did that ankle injury. So if he can continue to put pressure on the rim, then that's huge. And it unlocks, you know, so much to their offense that they're sorely missing at times in the Clippers series. So, yeah, campaign is going to be huge in this series as well. Nothing new. A couple a couple quick things to close out. I'm going to talk a little bit more about DeAndre Ayton with Jackson tomorrow. So, guys, again. Be on the lookout for that. Subscribe if you have not already to join in on uh, our preview coverage. But um, on the topic, not so much on the guards, but if we're talking about what the, you know, Paul and Booker need to try to find or what they should avoid trying to find off of, off of you know, rotations and, and Bucks defensive coverages is um, with the topic of Aiton, Brooke Lopez is probably also the best post defender that Aiton has faced. Maybe, maybe Marcus Ole would have a, a, con- a contest there. But overall, you know, the seals in transition, some of the quick hitting post-ups, that type of stuff, I just don't really think it's something that the Suns should even try to explore. I think obviously Aiton's going to be able to get past Brooke Lopez if he is dropping. Those pick-and-roll finishes are going to be there all day. But some of those easy little quick hitting post-ups that Aiton's been able to get some points on, I just think that's going to be a lot tougher than it was against you know, Batum or even Zubots, players like that. So I, I think that's one thing to try to find a better option if if that's there, even if it feels like Aiton has, you know, there were some post-ups against the Bucks earlier in the season when he used his quickness and his touch to score on, on Brook. And look, if he can do that, then you want to feed him. You want to, you know, take advantage of that mismatch if, if it becomes one. But I do think like, if the pick and roll finish isn't immediately there for Aiton, this might be a series where he doesn't quite get as many scoring opportunities as he has in the past. So I don't know, you know, Booker and Paul, it's not super related to them, but obviously just thinking about how the, you know, the Suns are going to attack the Bucks defense. I think that's one other thing. But if you have any more thoughts on that, that's cool. Otherwise, I'm not going to give my prediction yet. I will wait until Tuesday morning with Jackson, but I would love to hear yours, Brandon. I do want to wait for a Giannis update, but okay, that's I'll fair. just throw it out there anyways. Um, this is with the <laughs> preface of me assuming Giannis. Well, you could do one with Giannis and one without, or like one with a full, you know, regular Giannis and one if he has to miss time or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll meet in the middle a little bit here and just say, assuming Giannis is back for, you know, at least like every game besides game one at like 80, 90%. I have the Suns in six. Um, if Giannis is back at full strength and not missing a beat, then I'll take Suns in seven. Okay. I'm glad you said that because the, the last thing you were saying about the Bucks being, you know, like that you were impressed that they got here and all that, I was like, I'm going to have to cut you off. That's that's pretty disrespectful. I feel like Milwaukee's a pretty good team, but your prediction shows that you are giving them the requisite level of respect. So. Um, I, I think that's that's right in the ballpark of where I am. I do think like as much as we just identified a bunch of sun strengths, I think once, you know, if if we do get word that Giannis is going to be back for some portion of this and, and, you know, depending on how healthy he's looking and all that, 
there's a whole box of advantages that Giannis and can give to Milwaukee that make this a very different type of thing. And, yeah. you know, their talent is, is, is nothing to, to, to shout down. So, uh, I, I'm probably going to be right there with you when it's all said and done, but, um, I think that was a good, uh, mostly the sun side of the ball. We kind of covered a lot of it with, with Paul and Booker being so much of it. So, uh, that's a good part one. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, it's NBA finals. I, I still can't believe it, man. It's, one of these days, it'll, it'll sink in, uh, <clears throat> probably Tuesday. Maybe tip-off, <laughs> yeah. Tip-off, like they're actually on the floor and Mike Breen is talking. And you, even like, then, okay, I, I don't know. <laughs> it might take like a, a bang for me to, to really, for it to really settle in, but yeah. Who's going to get the first bang? Which which son will get the first bang? Booker, I would. I feel like it has to be. It's going to be Booker or Paul for sure, but. It would be fitting. He doesn't give those away to role players. You don't like J.R. Smith wasn't getting bangs out out there. Yeah, no. It's just like you got to earn your bang. Like prior to the game even happening, you got to walk into the building with a certain amount of uh, pomp and circumstance to even to even get a bang. But yeah, maybe that's what it'll take. Uh, I hope everybody is just as excited as we are. I wanted to give you the X's and O's of everything. Check out last week's show if you have not already. If you're still out of town, needing some podcast to listen to maybe you have a drive ahead of you i talked to gina mizell last friday about a lot of the bigger picture what this means for the suns that was a very very good show so check that one out for more of like the (laughs) these types of holy crap the suns are in the finals types of thoughts but i do think this series is going to be really fascinating on the court so that is what brandon joined me to do today we will be back tomorrow though like i said folks you can check brandon's writing out App right side of the sun. I'm sure you'll have some stuff up at Zona Hoops as well, Brandon. And guys, buckle up. It's going to be a fun couple of weeks. Enjoy. Enjoy every minute of it. Don't, don't get down if things don't go perfectly. And we'll be right here with you every single day.